0: Hi, everyone. This is Jack, and thanks for tuning in and downloading today's episode. As we embrace 2021, Monica and I just wanted to say thank you for all your continued support and great feedback. Please don't forget to sign up for our mastermind group at visualwow.com slash mastermind. The content continues to grow. You can often catch live events as well as sign up for online portfolio reviews with either Monica or myself. Again, thanks for all your support. And now, on with today's episode. Next up on Visual Wow.
1: Everyone said, this is the greatest idea. If you build it, we will come. You don't have the emotional connection necessarily with the entertainment and the lighting and all of the you know physical elements, but we recognize right away that those skills are transferable and it was just a question of making the clients understand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman, and special guest, Samara Hurley of Actionista Live
0: welcome back visual Wild community i'm jack hartsman your host and very excited to have samara hurley online with us today from action east alive and our guest adam bolts from c3 events in canada adam welcome to the show samara welcome back
2: thank you jack it's a pleasure to be back on the visual well podcast
1: thanks for having me guys
0: uh adam it's uh it's the end of december what's the weather like up there in uh in north of us
1: it's colder than you could possibly imagine, but uh, it makes us strong. so we're happy. We're vibrant. We're getting. Uh, outside.
0: A colleague of mine was at Niagara Falls about two weeks ago. He just got a, a bug up his butt and had to drive north and said it was very bizarre as an American to look at the Canadian border and not be allowed to enter.
1: Life-changing.
0: It is. It is really unbelievable. Well, I hope that changes soon. Canada is one of my favorite places to visit, and it will be nice if we can get back to normal sometime in the in the relative near future. Samara, action East to live really getting its legs under it running well you've got a lot of cool projects on the table Uh, adam is your guest what would you like to do where would you like to start uh you guys have a seem like a great relationship uh i know that kind of looks like it was founded and and forged around your event in, in vancouver uh in the not too uh recent past you're on
2: It was one of those forced relationships, wasn't it, Adam? It was like a blind date, a setup.
1: (laughs) I prefer to use the term arranged marriage, but that's fine.
2: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of funny because Adam and I got to work together when I was Canadian. Yes, I can say I was Canadian because I had permanent residency. I lived in Vancouver, British Columbia, for those who didn't know, for about four and a half years until... year ago. So back in the day when I was working for SEJA, an organization called the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, is actually only in Canada. And SEJA hired me when I lived in Vancouver to be their fundraising coordinator. But I also ended up helping with the event design since I've been an event planner most of my life. So I got to pitch in and work with the production team. And as Adam likes to call it, our arranged marriage. C3 Events, based in Montreal, um, they actually produced the CJA fundraising gala events in, I think it was Ottawa, Montreal, and one other? Where else were you in that?
1: It was Ottawa, Montreal, and Vancouver, and it's been over a number of years, actually.
2: That's right, and very successful. So the colleague that I was working with, Catherine... Who was amazing and she's been working with Adam for all these years they've had successful fundraising events throughout and they decided to bring it to Vancouver for the very first time ever um, and in doing that I was hired to be their campaign coordinator um, it was a great program and it gave me the opportunity to work with Adam we did not even meet in person until the day before the day of the event
1: is that
0: true
2: I think you I remember is. that
0: it was a whirlwind.
2: We made up for it with cocktails at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Lounge that night. Here
0: at the Visual Wild Podcast, we call that a very trusting relationship. That's right.
2: Yeah, there was I some see. Zoom action. There were a lot of phone calls. There was a little—I don't know, Adam. If we're going to do it that way, <laughs> but that's how we roll. Um, so that's kind of how we met. What was your? I'm just curious, Adam. What was your first impression when you uh, when you
1: started? Of you?
2: Working? Yeah.
1: Obviously very knowledgeable. I thought that you brought a lot of experience to the table, especially when it came to the understanding of what not just the client needed and wanted, or you were working with them exclusively, I think at the time, but also what would have worked for the Vancouver market. And uh, working in a lot of different cities, it's important for us to create that repertoire and relationship with people who have boots on the ground. Uh, and a d- design in my mind, um, Can't live in a vacuum. It needs to adapt to who the audience and demographic is, but also who and what the city will enjoy and will appreciate. So right away, I knew that everything coming out of your mouth didn't necessarily just come from experiencing the event world, but you really had a handle on who the client was and what they wanted to see.
2: Right. Oh, thank you for that. And I guess most of that is because I've chaired so many events. This was actually the first job I've ever been hired to do what I volunteered for my whole life. So it was kind of nice to be paid to do volunteer work, essentially. Um, And it was neat, too, because we had some challenges. It was the first kosher kitchen ever event at the Fairmont Pacific Rim in Vancouver. So we definitely had our share of challenges there, but um, we overcame them. Um, I would think. And, and the nice thing about Adam is I think people think of C3 as a production only company, but you actually help out with decor and setup too. You want to share a little
0: bit about that?
1: hundred percent. Yeah, we're a full service agency. So depending on the needs of a specific client, sometimes we handle all aspects of the event from taking it from the creative to the execution Uh, Certain times we focus on production. My background specifically, thanks for asking, Samara, my background specifically is in production. So my approach to event design or to uh, producing live events really comes from a history and and a breadth of experience in technical. So you're right. A lot of people see us as technical producers only. But as you know, from doing all kinds of different events, It's not about one ingredient that makes the cake. It's all the different elements. So I couldn't push sound lighting and AV without giving importance to the overall, whether it be decor, entertainment design, or the spirit and flow of the event. Sounds
2: good. Well, it's nice that we have people to partner with like
0: you all over. So, so to kind of, pull this into 2020 as we stare at 2021. Um, Adam, you've got a big company. From what I uh, know about you and what Samara has told me, you have an international reach uh, and and we have all been kind of kicked in the proverbial special events teeth since March of 2020. Um, I know that you, uh, like some other people we've, been, we've had here on the podcast as well as our own company, we have moved into the virtual world. How has that European arm, that international reach that you have um, been been encapsulated by the virtual world, or or things that you've done to to bring virtual services to that area.
1: Yeah, I think it was a learning curve for not just people that produce live events, but for clients as well. Um, like everybody, in February and March, we went from 2020 being potentially the best year on record to zero events overnight. And it was a question of how we were going to parlay the experience that we had and and continuously connect with those clients and show them that there is still a need to reach out to their constituents, to their employees, to their customer base. So at first... Europe, whether Europe or North America or a lot of international agencies, so we work with predominantly agencies and um, whether it be travel management companies or marketing and branding agencies, their scope of business and and, and client base never changed. They just were no longer mandated to do anything live. So now we had to almost reteach them. I've been involved in events for uh, over 20 years. And, I, and I, I know that every few years, we're, we're always teaching clients what the next thing is or where they should be spending their money, whether it's AV or lighting or entertainment design. The world has gotten smaller. Now we're really teaching them that there is significant value at staying connected to their audiences. So it, it didn't happen overnight. And we got a lot of pushback and a lot of clients and agencies said, we're just gonna we're, we're gonna wait and see. We recognize that we still need to do a national or regional meeting. We still want to raise funds with a gala, but it's gonna come back. So, thanks for calling and thanks for connecting with us. But um, we're just gonna see where this thing goes called COVID, and and we'll call you back soon. So, I think that a lot of that really was clients just waiting to see what like the next shoe would drop and we pushed them pretty hard from february to june and at the end of may beginning of june we said this is not going to turn around overnight we saw that coming we knew that after we lost a hundred and something events over the course of a week that we it wasn't going to go from watching netflix on your couch to coachella in a matter of
0: what do you mean (laughs) what do you mean every event is like coachella Uh, exactly (laughs) even on zoom yeah
1: there's got to be something in between so there was the obviously the virtual event that came out front and center how do we do it how do we record how do we uh, stream live and we jumped on that and i could talk about that but then In May, we really focused on locally how to create an opportunity for for guests and producers and planners to still see their audiences live. So in a matter of three weeks, we we flipped and we built a concept that was a drive-in model, not necessarily a drive-in movie theater, more of a drive-in event theater. And we did that prior to pushing virtual and hybrid events. Because we knew that if done safely, people can drive in to get out. And that was really our, our motto. And it became a phenomenon. And I'm not just saying this to pat myself on the back. It, it, it became one of the, well, it's definitely the first in Canada, but it was one of the first in North America to really look at it um, as an event space. We wanted to become the, you know, insert largest event space here of your city of drive-ins. So it wasn't just come and watch a movie, it was come and do your gala or let's see a live band or you know let's put on a high school graduation. So we did over the course of 3 weeks we built out this massive infrastructure and we started June 20th and from June 20th to uh, August 31st we produced 110 live events.
2: Wow. During the pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: So that was really something that kept us busy. Uh, At first we had all kinds of ideas, corporate sponsors, they were all gonna come on board and the biggest live nation, and this one are gonna come on board as as, as, uh, partners. And everyone said, this is the greatest idea. If you build it, we will come. So we decided to put up all of the cost ourselves and to build it and, and in essence they did come and and i'm called now from some really large companies across the u.s that like viacom i was on the phone with them the other day to see what the best practices were for these types of live events because that was the first you know foray into pandemic events and we knew that it was going to be a, a short window so we wanted to capitalize on that
0: well i'm not sure how short the window is going to be to be honest with you um uh, there, there's two aspects of virtual events that I've noticed, in, at least on the East Coast. Maybe you have had something similar, and I think this is really a great thing for the listening audience, both from the aspect of the virtual event as well as uh, to Live on how Samara is capitalizing kind of on the third dimension of the virtual event Um uh, e- even in, in the production studio where it's being recorded or how, or where its final destination goes and the people that it's reaching. But have you noticed that, that when uh, client A finds out that client B did a successful virtual event yesterday, that all of a sudden the floodgates have opened, you don't have to worry about decor and catering, and people are trying to pull events off in two weeks or in three weeks because... Well, because you can, because you can do, you can can it all. You can put it all on video. You can have a live speaker and all of a sudden you're out to the masses without having so much of the preparation, renting a convention hall, worrying about hotels, destination management. Are, Are you having that same experience?
1: We are. We find that the, the turnaround time to, from concept execution is a joke. People want everything tomorrow. They want it polished. They want it. In the same way that we would produce a, a live event over the course of a year and qualify hotels and guest speakers and design renderings and production, they do want to turn it on quickly. But my biggest challenge, especially at the beginning of producing live events, is are, is convincing clients that, no, they can't do this themselves. No, this is not uh, you're not you're not you're not an expert at Zoom because you've been <laughs> to a Zoom meeting yeah. and you've ran a, a five or six person event the same way you know, I'm not a doctor because I watch Chicago Hope, I want to make sure that you hire a professional, like that Chicago Hope reference, friend. I want you to make sure you hire a professional so that your brand, your image, your company is as seamlessly viewed as if you were doing it in the convention center in Orlando, you wouldn't bring your own food. So the, to me, the biggest obstacle or barrier to entry wasn't convincing them they needed to do it. You're right, they saw their competition do it, and as May turned into June, turned into September, they wanted to produce something. It was that learning curve, again, of teaching them what was necessary to achieve a successful virtual
0: event.
2: You know, and I I think from working with Adam, he, you know, he's his production is was really seamless and spot on when we worked together, and I think that a lot of that selling point and justifying it is the loyalty that you have with your clients and that community that you've built in the last 20 years um, doing over 1,700 events all over the place. So do you find that When you contacted your clients, they had that trust and faith in you, and that helped you work into that creative matter. And I will say that I did follow you from the get-go on Instagram during all of this, and it was motivational to see the drive-in theaters and the things that you guys were doing.
1: Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we, we do benefit from a lot of great relationships with clients that trust us, but it was still not what they were used to agreeing to or understanding and teaching them, for example, uh, Jack, you mentioned it earlier, but the most common misconception in live virtual events is that it's a live virtual event. And the biggest hyphenated word of the day is pre-capture. I want to pre-capture everything. No, no, no. It'll be perfect. It'll be great. We do these things live all the time. It's going to be amazing. In, in, at the end of the summer, we did a massive, massive event for an unnamed, very large cheese company, and they wanted to produce a town hall meeting that was going to be networked between uh, Montreal, Chicago, Atlanta, and broadcast all over the world three times for North America, for Europe, and for Argentina. And they were adamant that they were going to do this live because we wanted the question and answers, and because I said, look... I'll do anything you want, but you're hiring me to give you the best results. And the best results are to take you in studio, multi cameras, really give you the the wealth of my experience, direct you coach you and then allow me to edit it and cut it up so we could produce the best final product and i promise you no one will know the difference so they said absolutely not that's not what we're all about i said great so do me this one favor come in and these are all the executives come in earlier that day to rehearse it i want a full blown you know you call it whatever you want dress rehearsal or run through whatever you want i need it start to finish they did They listened to me. They took the direction. Of course, we recorded the whole thing. And they said afterwards, can we just do that instead? Just play that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Listen, I went through. I I did the same thing on Sunday.
2: (laughs) You and Jack, like I could take the two of you and put one of you on top of the other, like on a transfer paper, and you two would be verbatim because I. Yeah,
0: Adam, you just Jack, you two
2: (laughs) just said the same exact thing that he always says.
0: Uh, Adam, (laughs) you just repeated everything that I went through on Sunday and Monday. Yeah. Uh, I had a I had a religious nonprofit that I that I did a gala for last night, and it started four weeks ago when they said, "Could you put a slideshow together for us?" And then two weeks later, hey, it might be something more than a slideshow show, and then just before Christmas, it was, listen, it's getting to be a little bit of production, can you come into our facility and set up a stage, and then before I knew it, we were actually shooting in our studio, and the the day before the event, I'm like, can you show me a script, and they're like, well, we're going to do it live, I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm going to come to your office, and I'm going to sit down with three microphones, and you're going to do it live for me, and I'm going to record it and play it back for you, and then we took pictures, and I created a slideshow based on the pace of their talking, knowing that it would be completely different live. And all of these things, they said to me when I left on Sunday, what would you normally be doing if it wasn't for COVID the day before an event? And I said, I'd probably be at a winery with my wife. (laughs) I would not be sitting here running a script schedule with a client. I would be enjoying my weekend. And the fact that we we honest and truly didn't really start working on this Until 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, and we executed at 7 p.m. on Monday. It was, it's remarkable that we pulled it off that way. Well,
1: Jack, there are two types of producers, and, um, it's never more apparent than in COVID. There were the planners and producers, and I'm not naming any names, they're very successful people that took this as a forced holiday to sit at home and say, woe is me and what are we going to do and I'm not going to make any money and how am I going to continue and I'll just wait because next month or the month after or the year after, it's going to be all back to 400 person hence And then there are those of us, and I put us, there's a lot of successful people that are doing this that have parlayed their skills and said, "Wait a second! If I could direct that VP on stage instead of sitting at the back of the room, I'm going to sit in the studio. It's the same skill. It's not necessarily bringing it to life with all the touch points that that you see at a live event. So you don't have the emotional connection necessarily with the entertainment and the lighting and all of the you know physical elements, but it's gonna be even more important to have the professional to teach you how to engage with your audience. We've all heard the expression that if you're in a live event, maybe you'll retain 10% of what you hear from a guest speaker on stage. At a virtual event with the distractions of your dog and your phone and your house and your wife and your kids on Zoom, forget about it. So if we're not gonna set it up successfully, if we're not gonna frame the forum of it successfully, if we're not gonna get creative and we're not gonna do it professionally, then you know, we're not using our skills. So we, we recognize right away that those skills are transferable and it was just a question of making the clients understand that.
0: Adam, one of the most interesting things that I find about what you're saying is you're in Montreal, I'm in the nation's capital and our perils are identical. What you said to me, what I said to you, I feel like I am talking to a kindred spirit, not to go back to uh, Samara's uh, analogy of early, but it really it really is unbelievable that um, whether we're on the corporate side the nonprofit side the wedding and bar mitzvah side the exact same things are happening uh, people are are getting the idea they're diving into events on a moment's notice and trying to pull these things together because they've been on a zoom session once and they think that well you just turn on the camera and everything is going to be great and as we all know if you don't entertain people they're going to leave. When you go to a bad movie, you know, you, you force yourself to sit there because you paid money for a ticket and you don't want to be embarrassed getting up out of the chair. But if you're sitting in your living room or at your desk watching a virtual event and you're not entertained, you're going to shut that laptop and walk out of the room. And, and then we fail as producers when we can't deliver the good content that keeps people uh, engaged. Would you, would you say that's a fair assessment?
1: I think that's 100% correct. And I think the same way you would tailor that uh, show or live meeting, you have to look at the audience that you're talking to and say, what is going to engage them the most? We're all about uh, interactivity when it comes to our virtual events. So you'd like the president to thank everyone for a great year? Perfect. We'll help you do it. What are you doing next to involve people? Well, we were just going to all sit around and cheers and raise a glass. No. Instead of putting together a large blown out event at the Hilton, let me create something that will be best suited for your group. Last week, we put together a mixology event. Same thing. It was a celebration of a great year for a software company. By the way, software companies and e-commerce they are doing very well
0: yes they are so
1: they wanted to celebrate so we brought one of the foremost mixologists who's done cocktail design and an incredible speaker we put him in studio with a gorgeous set and a beautiful bar and we had pre-sent 150 people deconstructed cocktail kits and he engaged with them he taught them how to make an old-fashioned and what the difference is between this bourbon and that bourbon and they had questions we broke it up with interactive trivia about the company and gave out prizes. We brought the president up there, more like a letterman style, to mess up a drink, and then he's swigging from the butt. And the idea was that they were not just watching something, but they were participating. They were having a good time with it. They were building their most famous drinks at this, uh, that they wanted to learn about, whether it was an old-fashioned or a custom mojito. They were sent around their house to take pictures of things and bring it all back. And it was the most engaging event they've ever done. This was not something that we reinvented the wheel. But it was just pairing up content with the consumer of that content to recognize what would turn them on and get them excited. So it's, it's no different than any live experience. It's understanding who the demographic is, what the goals are, and really delivering something seamlessly that's going to meet those goals.
2: That was so well said. I couldn't agree with you any more than what you just said, Adam.
0: So Samara, as Action East Live is, is becoming this much more well-known product, how do you see yourself engaging in the niche marketing to carry on the message of the virtual event um, or the hybrid events uh, in, in the months to come?
2: Well, Action East to is really about communities and building communities leads to great marketing um, and publicity is a way of doing that, virtual and hybrid events as well. And so having Action East to go to attend your events, whether they're virtual or hybrid or in-person events, brings, that, it brings everybody live to the event, even if they cannot leave their homes or their offices and they need to be part of it on a device. It was exactly what Adam was saying about... Bringing people to it. And it's funny because with COVID, I feel like we've gone back to the telethons and to that basically having a late night show without the live studio audience, which is kind of what he was explaining to everybody about how you have the entertainment and the mixologist and you have your host. So East Live is going to also bring that to help people's businesses grow. And I think it's funny too, because I did find this idea of report for 2020 last night. It was a creative study. And they say that when the going gets tough, the tough get creative. And I believe that, like Adam said, there's many planners and producers who just binge watch Netflix, but then there's many who came out and stepped out of their comfort zone and the box and were very creative. And I think it's not just people in the event industry. I think there's people all over who have started new jobs, who have, I hate the word pivot, but they've pivoted, they've reinvented themselves. And so Action East Alive wants to feature those people, wants to show that companies are still working, that events are still happening, just at a different capacity, and that we're here to help promote them and bring that personal connection back because I think the personal connection and that sense of family and community is more important than anything. And then the rest is organic. I mean, look at how I met Adam and Jack. So I believe that we have a growing relationship here, Adam, and now you are a part of Jack Hartson and Monica Vidal's family. You're
1: in. Nice, You're in. nice. Can I borrow money,
0: Jack? Uh, <laughs> as soon as I have some more, uh, I got to go when my trees start to bloom in March uh, and, the, uh, and the dollar bills start growing off the leaves again, I will absolutely send some north. I'm actually, to be honest with you, Adam, I'm looking forward to a time when maybe we could uh, meet halfway, maybe like in Niagara Falls someplace and Canadians and Americans can actually meet each other again and cross over our common border, which it's has been gonna closed gonna down. It's f-
1: Jack. It's going to happen. Do you just promise? Time. I do. Samara, I, I can't agree more with what you just said. I, I love um, the entire mindset of what you've built and how you want to bring that to, to people in a live way. I think that live connections whether it be through Zoom or otherwise in person, nothing beats it, especially now when it's not just about experiencing it for yourself, it's it's how do I share it and, and what's the Instagrammable moment. But I hate companies that say, I don't need to spend money on marketing or I don't need to spend money on on growing my brand because I'm doing well, I'm successful enough. This is when you have to do it. So the companies that have realized right away that, well, virtual events are necessary to to continue the conversation with their customers are the ones that are capitalizing on the times and pivoting appropriately.
0: So let's tie this together, um, not just with Actionista Live, but... Adam, what is your forecast? Uh, you know, yeah, there's a vaccine that's floating around the world, and we all know that by the time the little people and the minions of the world get access to it, we're probably still uh, a good 10 to 12 months away from some level of uh, immunity where we can start thinking about putting three or 500 people into a ballroom again. How do you see the virtual world Continuing or being modified in the hybrid world, uh, and then when you're done with that, then Samara kind of wrap this up with with how you see Action East Alive, uh, or or as it, I'm sure it's going to turn into Action East Alive Global, uh, is, is going to tie that virtual and the hybrid world together. But starting with Adam, where where do you see the virtual world going in the next year? That's a
1: real. I mean, I wish I had a crystal ball, Jack, to tell you. I personally believe that virtual events are although it's not just early adopters that are that are they're taking them on right now i do believe it's something that's going to become mainstream but not mainstream forever i think that by the time we get to next summer or this upcoming summer where you're going to see more hybrid than virtual events so the idea of putting together opportunities to like i did last year connect with your audiences in a indoor outdoor model where no you won't be able to put 400 people in a venue not yet But you may be able to have 200 and then you'll be streaming that interactively at the same time. So the model will evolve as this pandemic evolves. And if you're staying at the forefront and you're maximizing based on your own skill set and tying and pulling together partners, I'm all about working with smart innovative suppliers. If I have a problem, I call the people that I know or I introduce myself to them and say, help me fix this because I'm not going to be able to find the solution tomorrow. But a lot of smart people will find the next hybrid, the next live event quicker. Does that answer your question, Jack?
0: A hundred percent. And I wish I had, if you find the crystal ball, uh, if you go to, uh, you know, the local store and you find one on the shelf, would you buy me one too? Because, Boy, I would love to. Uh, I would love to have one of those right now. I, I am not quite as optimistic as you are. That uh, virtual is going to disappear that quickly, and I'm not sure if optimistic is actually the right word. Pessimistic, optimistic. I, I think virtual is going to be around for much longer. I, I really do. I, I think that the world is going to find out that, especially in the charity and the and the philanthropic world, that they can they have a, a further reach if they keep the virtual component. But but let's forget about that for a second. Samara, how do you see? Um, the, the new outreach or the new reach, shall we say, of Action East to live to to help the niche marketing to put the attention towards the virtual or the brick and mortar concept.
2: Well, I agree with you that it's not going anywhere. And I think the silver, silver lining with COVID is that we were able to open up to a world of opportunities that people either were scared to open up to or they just didn't think about it until they were sitting in their houses um, drinking through all their alcohol. So I believe that maintaining virtual, especially hybrid um, meetings and events and interactions, even if it's a funeral, I mean, Jack does, he does Zoom and live uh, footage for funerals and memorial services, just as much as a wedding. And I think that that is special to be able to have a bar bat mitzvah or corporate event or a funeral service where you can reach out to people all over the world who aren't able to fly in for that occasion. So I think hybrid should stay. Um, I think that C three events is smart that they jumped on it immediately and actually is alive is all about connecting sequences of moments and events. And sometimes they're happy and sometimes they're not, but it tells that story. It's a storytelling of who the people are behind the brand, behind the company. How are they living? What are their families like? What is it they do for their clients? How do they maintain loyalty and customer service? It's more about that personal touch and keeping relationships strong. And I think what also came out of COVID from attending all the event uh, trade shows and virtual trade shows in the event industry and meetings that I had during COVID is authenticity. Authenticity is very important to me. I'm a what you see is what you get kind of gal. <laughs> and I think it makes an impact to be true and authentic um, to who you are. And so I'm hoping that Action the Live can help create those moments and that marketing brand for small businesses, nonprofit organizations, and communities everywhere.
1: I I love what you just said, and and sorry, Jack, do you mind if I just...
0: No, I I was going to say the same thing. I mean, boy, she just nailed that. I wish we could just like get that engraved into like a plaque or something and put it on the (laughs) wall for morning inspiration.
1: The last big trade show I went to was the special event show in Vegas at the end of February where everyone's phone was blowing up with all the cancellations that were happening, and... Honestly, I, I I saw despair in, in people's faces, but I also saw and heard something that really stuck with me, and it was someone that, when you talk about storytelling, uh, told the story. It was in a, an amazing audiovisual way, but essentially the, the message was the events world are, are about the millions of different connections that people make and the connections aren't necessarily supplier to supplier. It's bride-groom, it's father-mother, it's bar mitzvah. It's, It's all the one million moments that bring people together. And whether the event is live, whether it's hybrid, whether it's virtual or who knows what the next big thing is, drive in, drive up, it's still people connecting. And that won't go away. We we, we we hunger to have these types of connections that brands are built on and memories are made from. So I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just a question of how we help direct our clients to be able to maximize that.
0: Also well stated, fine sir. Also well stated indeed. Uh, Adam, you've got a plethora of knowledge in your head. It is really, at least for me as somebody who also works in the virtual world, it, it, is, it brings me a lot of comfort to hear that somebody else is succeeding and going through some of the same trials and tribulations that that I'm feeling in our company. But real quickly, before we wrap up, throw me out a little bit of contact information. How can our listening audience find you? Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you and uh, and, and yeah, what, 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 what's the best way to get to you?
1: Well, like everyone, uh, you could find us on our social channels, C3 events at C3 events on Instagram and on Facebook our site, c3events.ca. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, and uh, I really love connecting with like-minded people in the industry. I think that uh, we are all stronger together. So please reach out to us, and uh, you can email me, adam at c3events.ca. And I really look forward to that uh, post-COVID drink with Jack and Samara live.
2: Uh, I think uh, that we should, um, well, I have permanent residency, so I can probably put one foot on each side, each country at the same time. But I think we should have Jack on the U S side and Adam on the Canadian side. And I'm somewhere in the middle and we just do a, a toast or a high five. How about if we do a
0: big, how about if we do a big balloon arch over, over Niagara falls and that way we can get some media coverage.
1: You just <laughs> lost me. I'm not into balloon arches, Jeff. Uh, sorry me.
0: about that. It'll be a, it'll be a live neon stream. Like. Yeah, a big neon stream of light. I like that idea. Perfect. Um, Adam, I would love to invite you on to our mastermind group, uh, where we talk a little bit more in depth on the technical side about virtual events. I think what you're doing is outstanding, and I, I it's just. It, it, it's like finding a kindred spirit. Thank you, Samara, for the I connection. I appreciate that. Uh, it's Thank super you. duper cool. For Action East Alive, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget you can find out more about Samara and her global project at visualwow.com slash All the information, the show notes, and the social channels to find all of the people on today's program will be available on the podcast show notes. We are available and broadcasting in more than 15 countries on just about every podcast player known to mankind and some that haven't even been invented yet um samara you you found an amazing guest to bring to the show adam you have been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show any final comments for the afternoon episode is that to me (laughs) (laughs) well i was about to say but then that's a wrap but adam Uh, any last minute thoughts
1: I, i just want to thank you very much for having me here samara thank you for bringing me on and uh i look forward to collaborating with everybody
2: absolutely it was our pleasure i had a great time thank you so much
0: thanks jack you're very welcome my dear that's it for visual Wild wow today ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in i'm jack hartsman your host we will be back again with samara and another guest on Action Easter live adam you're always welcome back to the show we look forward to getting you on the mastermind program as well we'll see you next time everybody thanks so much for tuning in
1: Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.